A lot of people in the pop industry disagree. They're like, I can't label you. What am I supposed mm -hmm. to do with you? I'm like, don't do anything. Just listen to it and enjoy it. Hell, I don't know. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hello, and welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we help you make great music, connect with your audience, and grow your business. This episode today, we are doing a very timely interview with one of my favorite American idols who didn't make it to the top 10, which is Alexis Grace. You probably remember her from the 2009 season of American Idol. I'll tell you a little bit more about what she's been doing since then and talk about the reason that this is a very timely interview because she's coming out with something very special today. So I want to let you know about that. But first, I want to remind you, if you haven't already, go to femusician.com and grab our free resource guide, which is written just for female musicians like you to help you increase your income streams. It's called 19 Sources of Income You Probably Haven't Considered for Your Music Business. So check that out at femusician.com. Also want to remind you, if you give us an iTunes review, you may win a one-month subscription to the Female Musician Academy. We just gave one away last week, which was really fun. And so we're going to be giving one away again in the first week of November. So get your iTunes reviews in. We do pick at random. We don't pick based upon what you say in your review. But so far, all of the reviews we do get are positive because obviously people are listening to this show because they like it. So we love your positive reviews. We really appreciate them. It helps us in the iTunes ratings. So go get those in and you will have a chance to win. Now here is some more information about Alexis Grace. The daughter of a Beale Street musician, Alexis Grace studied the masters of R&B and soul, Aretha Franklin and Ann Peebles in her childhood home. On Sundays, she learned gospel harmonies in her church's youth choir. And at John Overton High School, a prestigious performing arts magnet school in Memphis, she stretched herself on stage in plays and musicals. Her formal education continued at the University of Memphis Rudy E. Scheid School of Music. From jazz to opera, Alexis has allowed her myriad influences to deeply inform her development as an artist. In January 2015, she released her first EP, Kiddo, and today, October 9th, she is releasing a duet with one of my favorite artists, Myla Smith, who I actually had a conversation with on this podcast, and it was so awesome that it went on for two episodes. So this is a collaboration of two amazing indie musicians. Now here's my interview with Alexis Grace. So that's a little bit about Alexis Grace. So Alexis, is there anything that you want to tell our audience about you that's maybe a little bit more personal that's not in your short bio? Obviously, so much to say. Um, let me think. Mostly my career as a musician, and, and we'll get into it more so as we talk in the interview, 
it's just a learning process. And I feel like that's with anything that is a passion for anybody, no, no matter if it's a, a creative passion or, you know, if it's a humanitarian thing or whatever the case may be, whatever it is that you are pursuing and you are passionate about and um, it's what you want your career to be, it's a learning process. And, uh, and it just keeps getting better only if you allow it to be. So I guess you'll get to know me a little bit more and what I mean by that as we go throughout the interview. Cool. And I do know that you have a daughter, right? I do. I have a um, okay. an eight-year-old little girl. Her name's Ryan. And uh, she sings too. And I have a husband. And I'll talk about him some more. And he and I actually work together. So it's a big music family. That's awesome. And you came from a music background too. Your parents were into music. How did you get started in music? Well, TV, (laughs) actually. um, I like idolized people like Michael Jackson and Madonna when I was really little, really little, you know, like two, three, I would watch music videos on MTV and just think that's the coolest thing I've ever seen ever. I want to do that. And I would, you know, perform in my house all, all the time. Um, but my dad, who was a professional musician, um, was always playing music and always had band rehearsals at the house. And, you know, if I could go to his gigs, I would. So to me, it was just my, that's just how life was. It wasn't, it just wasn't anything like, to me, it was like, oh, this is how it's going to be for me. You know, mm. uh, my, my dad is a, a musician. That's his job. It, that doesn't do a desk job or anything like that. So I, I definitely was influenced by my, my dad and my mom, who's not a professional musician, but she does sing and she's musically inclined and very creative. She was very supportive of my dad and his career. And uh, there was always music and, you know, there was always some sort of creative thing happening in our house. So that combined with just my own personality and, and curiosity is what inspired me for sure. Hmm. So right now, do you consider yourself a full-time musician? Are you earning a full-time income from music? Are you kind of supplementing on the side with other things? Well, definitely, I am a full-time musician as far as mentally goes, but economically (laughs) goes, economically speaking, pretty hard to be a full-time musician anywhere because, honest with you, they don't pay enough. People don't want to pay musicians, and that's just how it is, whether it's streaming or whether it's playing in a pub. It's very hard and it's a serious grind if you find somebody that is a full-time musician uh, in Memphis specifically, but I think everywhere as a whole, actually. But I do play gigs and I get paid money, but um, I'm definitely supplementing. But um, my job is amazing. I still work in the music industry to some capacity. I'm a radio DJ myself and I work at a top 40 station in Memphis. And it's a wonderful job. It's got health benefits. It's got access to, you know, what's happening in music these days. And I get to meet with all kinds of record label people. And it's just a great job to have for an artist like myself. Absolutely. Because you get to be around music all the time, even if you're not performing it. Yeah. And, I, and, and it's a creative vibe because I have my own show. So I get to go in and talk about whatever I want and make stuff up. and and incorporate my own life into it. And, you know, it's great. And it's great inspiration for me as a, as an artist as well, because I can hear, not that I necessarily want to be a top 40 artist, but it is nice to hear things on top 40 that I find interesting 
um, that inspire me to go and write something, you know? Yeah, that's really cool. So but we have a lot of being a full-time musician. I'm definitely a full-time musician in the sense <laughs> that I'm working on it every single day, all day, not just radio. Right. I'm, I'm working on my music stuff while I'm at the radio job. So definitely a full-time job. That's awesome. So yeah, it's cool that when you can supplement with something that's actually in the music industry in some way, because then you're you know, you're not totally fragmented of like, you're trying to be a teacher over here and then you're doing music, you know, you're more streamlined. Yeah. I'm lucky in that sense because I can only imagine and what that must feel like to have to do something that you aren't necessarily like, uh, um, attached to, or that has, a, that has some sort of relation to, you know, the creative thing that you're pursuing as well. It's got to be a little bit difficult to balance the two, especially something like teaching. I mean, because if you're a teacher, you have to be or you should be emotionally invested into your students, but you're also emotionally invested into, you know, your music career as well. And that's that's a lot of emotion going around. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Luckily, I work at a radio station with a bunch of goofballs who are very supportive of my music career. And um, have always been supportive and they would continue to be supportive. And if that means like me leaving and to something that is very beneficial to me, they would totally be 100 percent in support of that. That's that's great. So we have a lot of struggling musicians that listen to this show. And I think they'd love to hear some stories from you, maybe from the beginning of your career things that, you know, happened that made you feel like, oh my gosh, I can't even do this. I'm just hitting a wall. I just want to give up. And, you know, how you pushed through that and how you came out at the other end and what you learned through that process. I can definitely say that I have never hit that point in my life yet. And I'm glad that that point that's, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't believe I'm doing it. Like I've never reached that point. And I'm, I'm glad that I haven't. I mean, I've always, I've had moments of of frustration for sure, but I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. So, not only that, but I feel passionate about what I'm doing, and and I feel like I'm pretty okay at it, which helps too. You know, <laughs> to have confidence in yourself and and your abilities. But definitely, I mean there have been times where I've been frustrated and I feel like a certain project at that point won't get finished. Cause I just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. I hate using expressions, but that's kind of how, that's kind of how it feels sometimes. Like for instance, when you're releasing an EP, I mean, oh my gosh, there's so much work that's involved in releasing uh, music, you know, especially a <laughs> big Uh, like five songs, even, even that small amount of songs, you would think, oh, that's easy. No, it's not because you have to get artwork. You have to find the perfect font. You have to uh, make sure your uh, promotion is stuff is in plan. And that's like not even the most important part, which is the material, the music and getting little production things finished and uh, finding time to make sure that your vocal is perfect in the way that you want it and like musicians and paying them and then booking gigs. I mean, when you're releasing a big material like that, 
you feel like, oh my gosh, how is one person going to get all of this done by themselves? And there are moments where I say to myself, oh, it would be so much easier if I just had a record label helping me do all this stuff, you know? But the main thing is you just got to keep pushing and keep doing it. I mean, I know that sounds so cliche and so, you know, high school, but <laughs> there's really no other way to put it. You know, I'm not religious, so I don't say, I, I wouldn't personally say, you know, oh, I prayed about it or anything like that. I'm sure there are people that do that and that gives them some sort of clarity or some sort of sense of strength in what they're doing. But for me, it's just keep going, you know, because at the end of the day, when you get it done, I mean, it's something to really be proud of and uh, it's fun, you know. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, for me, making lists is so important because there is all that minutiae, like, you know, all the stuff you mentioned, plus then once the album is about to come out, you have to make sure it's on all the right distribution channels and, you know, that everybody's going to see it and the place that they're going to be looking for it. You know, you can't just release it in one place, unfortunately, no. yet. I, I definitely, you know? I definitely say, um, if you want to talk about certain in particular things that helped, a planner <laughs> and not just one that's in your iPhone. I am the kind of person, if I don't write it down, I won't remember it. And that's just that. It can be in my iPhone all day long in my calendar and it can pop up and alert me. And I swear I will put my phone back down and I will ignore it. If I write it down, I will remember it because I have like a photographic, um, I'm, I'm very hands-on. I have to do everything hands-on. If I don't do it hands-on, it will be lost. It will be forgotten. It just won't get done. Um, yeah, you just have to know what works for you. I mean, for me, writing it down does not work whatsoever. Like I am all a digital person, but other people are very much, like you said, hands on. Oh, I wish I could be digital because it would make it so much easier and so much more green. <laughs> but no, I'm not. I'm like a 50 year old, I'm like an 80 year old. Actually, <laughs> I am like a grandma. I have to write it down in my planner. I have to put a little sticker by it and then it'll get done. But yeah, it um definitely writing stuff down helps for sure. And, and Elizabeth has helped me. I mean, if you if you have enough money in your budget to hire somebody to help you with things like that, she's my publicist, by the way, Elizabeth K. Wine. And if you have it in your budget to use someone like her, do it. You know, her or him, depending on who it is that you as an artist want you know, do your research and, and do it um, because they can help you become organized as well. And Elizabeth has definitely helped me become organized and has helped me learn the process of, you know, releasing, releasing music and, you know, making sure that you have some sort of like a uh, rolling career going, you know? Right. Yeah. You kind of always have to be looking forward to the next thing, even though you're in the middle of one thing, you know, which is kind of hard. Yeah. So I'm curious, obviously you had quite a ride on American Idol and I do, I did watch it back in those days. So I remember seeing you being really impressed with your voice and your, your spunk and everything. And what was it like, you know, when the day that you went home and it was like just crazy, crazy, crazy. And then all of a sudden it was just over. Was it just this weird feeling? And what did, what did you go back to after that? It wasn't too weird of a feeling for me, per se, because going back for me was just going back to my daughter, you know, 
And I've talked about this with my husband before. I'm 28. And uh, I know. Gosh, you're so young. I, it, well, that, <laughs> to me, that's really young. It, well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's part of the point. Like, I'm only 28. But being around 28-year-olds sometimes for me is like being, in my mind, it's like being around 20-year-olds or mm-hmm. 21-year-olds. Uh, maybe not that young, but still younger. And I feel like if I wasn't a mother when I came back from Idol, I probably would have felt like, quote unquote, lost after Idol. But because I had a kid and I had like a like serious responsibility when I came home, it was not I didn't I never felt, oh, my life is I don't know what to do or I wow, that was crazy. It's never going to happen again. To me, it was like a boost. I was like, yes, you know. I'm going to make this happen. That's cool. So you felt like it was a positive experience overall? Yeah, I I totally think so. And I feel bad for the ones who, you know, come off of American Idol and they say the opposite. And they're like, oh, it was terrible. I hate that. Because I'm sure it was for them in some capacity. And that stinks because it was not like that at all for me, you know. And I I, I have nothing but good things to say about my whole experience on American Idol. Um, I know some people, and part of the reason that might be is because I went off the show when I did. Right. I went off, I was in on uh, 11th place and I believe the top 10 on my season were the ones that went on the tour and some of them like had to sign contracts with labels and then they got dropped and that is stressful. Now, that is something I think that, that would be a little bit you'd feel a little bit lost with things like that because I mean when in reality in the real world in a span of three months if you're an amateur artist are you getting a record deal I mean right that just doesn't happen and then it gets taken away you know it's that's hard yeah you kind of got the best of both worlds because you got tons of publicity from that Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when your publicist contacted me a year ago and and mentioned your name, I immediately knew who you were, even though it's been so long since you were on Idol because I recognized your name and, you know, I remember watching you. So that helps even if you even if you take a break and, you know, you were doing stuff all along the way. But, you know, people still remember you from that. And so that's good that it's a positive experience because then you weren't scarred by it. You just got all the positive benefits. Yeah. Absolutely. And with things like Twitter now, where you can like hashtag and tweet at, you know, uh, certain Twitter handles, especially like American Idol. I mean, they'll include you on things and the cycle keeps rolling. Um, One thing I do wish that they would have let us do when we were on American Idol is be uh, active social media wise. They did not allow us to do that until like we were off the show. Mm. They didn't understand. I don't think. At the time, they didn't realize how, just how much of an impact social media was going to have in like the next three years. I don't, I don't think that, I think that they learned the next year because the next year they let everybody have a Twitter handle. Ah, uh, what year was that that you were on there? 2009. Okay. That's interesting. Huh? Yeah. They probably lost out on a lot of great publicity, not allowing that. Yeah, I mean, but now, I mean, it's everything, so. Yeah, for sure. 
So who won the season you were on? I can't even remember. There's so many seasons. Chris Allen won my season. Oh, that one. Okay. So you were on the Adam Lambert season. I sure was. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. There's so many talented people out there. I know. It, they really are. And what's funny about American Idol and awesome about American Idol, it's like a little club. Once you're on the show, you um, automatically join the American Idol family and you become friends with other people from other seasons. Like, for instance, I'm really good friends with um, Blake Lewis and Elliot Yamin. I don't know if you know them. Mm. Oh, yeah. Early seasons. Yeah. And other people um, from other seasons as well. It's just crazy. And then what's even what's What's fun for me is when I see people who, like, for instance, were on my season who didn't make it necessarily, like, to the top, you know, 36 or top 10 or whatever, and they're doing things like one of them is singing backup for John Legend and Andre 3000 Mm -hmm. and, like, touring the world, and another one is, like, the singer on Dancing Dancing with the Stars and is, like, a uh, writer for uh, Rachel, um, not Rachel Berry. <laughs> What's her name? The actress from Glee that plays Rachel Berry. Oh, 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 Leah, Leah Michelle. Michelle. Wow. Yeah. So to me, it's just American Idol is a great, like, like I said before, it was never a bad experience for me. And it is what you make it. Unfortunately, some people who go on the show go on the show very insecure or young and it just it doesn't work in their favor and that's just right. I and mean, that's only natural when you feel that way when you go on a show like that yeah i think that's true of almost every reality show people that i've met that have been on them you know it's just i think it's your personality going in is going to be what you get out of it yes <laughs> absolutely for sure but you got to be strong in yourself before you ever go on those shows yeah, you got to have some sense of awareness too. I mean, which a lot of people that go on those shows don't because what they want is the attention of being on reality TV, you know? Yeah. And so they, because they feel insecure. They want TV. They don't want like what, what, what could bring after the TV show. Right. So tell us about a mentor that you had along the way, someone that really, you know, gave you some direction for your career and, and helped you kind of learn things that you wouldn't have been able to learn on your own? I definitely have a few. I'll just name two that are pretty important in my life. Um, One was my father, and he was probably the biggest mentor to me um, in my music career. My dad played bass for about 40-something years, professionally toured the world, and... uh, I mean, he he didn't do the same kind of music I did, and he didn't actually write his own music, but, I mean, he he saw it, and he knew it, and he offered me all kinds of advice and taught me a lot about being professional and and from little things like showing up on time to rehearsals and, like, before call time, which I still do to this day, mm. and how to properly tie up cables for your guitar <laughs> to... How not to let people run over you in the business and how to get paid and uh, as a woman, especially how to, you know, be taken seriously. And by doing that and, and, you know, it's getting better with that, but, you know, being good at what you do is a big part of it. You know, if you're good at it, continuously get better and, and know your stuff. 
And uh, not to mention, he's the one that taught me how to play guitar, which is a big way that I write music to this day. Um, but definitely my dad. And my husband, actually, is the second one. And we've been together. We've been friends for four years. We've been together for three. And then we've been married for almost two of those years. And um, he himself is also a musician and a composer and, like, a man of many talents. And he's talented at all of them. And he is... uh, Part like my co-writer as well. He's not my producer on the uh, albums, but he's my co-writer. But he is a big mentor to me because he um, is my constant like motivator, and he's so organized and very responsible. And I'm like the ADD one in the relationship, so <laughs> he keeps me so on track. And when I'm feeling down and frustrated, like I told you before, he's the one that's like, "Well, this is just this is just part of it. You know, you got to just." do it you know i mean you're going to get it done and for an artist i mean that's like you can't put a price on that i mean that's like having your own like life coach mm. so yeah that's that's really awesome for sure now you guys wrote a lot of music together and for your album kiddo right we did i love to write my own music and i love i love to collaborate especially when you know, something sparks my interest. And one of the ones that we specifically really co-wrote on was uh, Never Had You. Um, And that was kind of right around when we first uh, started to, we realized we wanted to be like in a relationship. And we had already like sort of co-wrote together before that, but really that was me and Nikki that did some writing. And I told him, he said he was like writing a bunch of uh, poems or not poems, but just thoughts, you know, and just random things. And I said, well, send them to me um, and maybe I can, you know, put a melody to it. And he sent me some really interesting things. He's a very deep thinker, Mm -hmm. um, which I love and a little jealous of. I'm like, dang, why can't I think like that sometimes? (laughs) Or at least I have those same thoughts, but I cannot express them as intellectually as you can. But I, I liked some of the stuff that he was saying and I kind of started making like a repetition out of it and a theme with uh, a few lines that he had continuously written. And uh, and then we made Never Had You. Oh, that's, that's really cool. And then you started dating and then you got married. <laughs> yep, we did. That's a whole other story. Our story is <laughs> pretty funny too, how we met and everything. So the album Kiddo, was that one of the first albums that you, did you put any other albums out ever since I put you started? singles out. Um, okay. I put out a song called Rooftop, which is not featured on Kiddo, but I love it. And if you want to check it out, you can download it. <laughs> and I put out James Dean as well. Actually, I put them out together at the same time. And that was just because I wanted something to do. And I just really wanted to put something out and, you know, show, show people that I've been working on something. And. Um, but we just loved James Dean so much, and it fits so well with the other songs. I think that we decided to put it on the EP. Mm. But James, and how did the kiddo is definitely my first like big piece of work. Okay, and how did your idol fans react to your new music? Oh, they loved it. Um, That's awesome. It was different, I think, because when I was on Idol, I did a lot of soul music. But I mean, that's the thing about me. I think. That sets me apart. I mean, 
It's so weird to talk about yourself, first of all, because <laughs> it's weird. You'd rather someone else say these things about you. But I mean, this is what I know to sort of be true. I am influenced heavily by so many, so many, so many different ki- kinds of music. I can't, I couldn't even, I can't say I love one genre more than the other. I just don't. Um, I love them all, kind of like cats. Um, and they all influence me in different ways. So that's how I write. And I know I sang a lot of soul music when I was on Idol. So I'm sure people were like, oh, she's going to be a soul singer. And that's just not how it is. I mean, I love to sing with soul. I love singing, you know, just soul music too. That's fun. But I, I would be unhappy if I just did one thing all the time because I just like it all. I like country. I like folk. I like soul. I like jazz. I like pop, like rock, you know, I like it all. Yeah. I think that's really apparent in your music that you're not just like a one note kind of singer. Yeah. Which is, which is great because uh, I mean, I don't know. We're all in different moods at different times, right? You don't want to just listen to the same kind of thing. Oh. And if you can get all that on one album, why not? Well, that's, that's what I think. You know, a lot of people in the pop industry disagree. They're like, I can't label you. What am I supposed mm-hmm. to do? And I'm like, don't do anything. Just listen to it and enjoy it. Hell, I don't know. <laughs> Drink some wine. <laughs> that's funny. I know they always want to put you in like a certain box or you know be able to to like you said label right because otherwise they don't know how to promote yes which I can understand but you can find other ways to you can promote you know each song in a different way maybe or something well if it's good it's good and that's good it's good Yeah. yeah I mean if you like it you like it and that's really all that should matter I mean if you as far as promoting it goes I mean that can be fun yeah it's almost more fun to think of unique ways to promote music than to just promote it as is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So you recently, actually, you are just now putting out a single with one of my favorites, Myla Smith. I had her on the show a few months ago and we like, we decided we could sit at a coffee house and talk for hours and hours probably because we have a lot in common And she just makes great music, as do you. And so when I heard that you guys were doing a collaboration, I thought that was really awesome. I know she's also from the Memphis area. And so I just want to hear about how you guys, you know, ended up working together and and what the collaboration was like and, you know, what aspirations you have for the single. Sure. Um, Well, Myla got introduced to me by Elizabeth, I think. I had heard of her like years ago and I heard a song or two of hers and I was like, Oh, she's, she's a talented songwriter. I really like her. And, um, and then, um, my husband and I looked her up on Spotify. Like once I started working with Elizabeth and that was like last year and there were some songs that really caught my attention and, and, um, her, her style of singing, especially when, when recorded, it just, the, uh, it has such like a nuance to it that Mm -hmm. recorded it just sounds so cool and the microphone just picks up all of that and I love that about her voice but I really love her songwriting and um so anyways I had it in my mind I had set out my mind after I released kiddo I mean I continued to write and I still am writing you know for myself as well but I was like I really want to do 
a duet. Like I want to co-write and I want to sing a duet. And I thought, why not with Milo? I mean, we're both local and we're both, we're not super similar, but we both can do similar things. We both can play guitar. We both sing with our guitar. We can both write our own music. You know, she, she, she writes folk, more folk, more Americana. As I write more folk pop, I guess, or country pop or whatever you want to call it. But I thought that those two things could really go well together. But I also thought that our voices would sound really nice together. And much to my surprise, or not much to my surprise, but they do sound good together. I mean, they really, I mean, it sounds incredible. And the song's called Give, and I'm so happy about it. It's just beautiful. It's one of my favorite pieces, I think, that I've done so far. Mm. Did you guys write it together? Yeah, we did. Uh, uh, Myla did a, a, a nice chunk of the writing as far as uh, words goes. But um, as far as like the the layout of the like the melody, I to me, there's like two hooks in the song. I feel like the verse is uh, is a hook, too, because it's repeated at the beginning and the end of the song, like the first verse. So it, it's a hook in, a, in and of itself, I think. And I started, and, and that's how I do most of my songs. I always start out a song with a verse. I just write a verse in my head, like the melody, and it just gets stuck. And I keep going over and over and over and again until I get the verse perfect, how I want it. And then from there, I build a cool chorus. And so that's what I did with her. I created this hook, this verse that I just kept going back and forth in my head. And I sent it to her. and. And I had already written words to the verse and everything, and she really liked it. And she liked, you know, the the lines, give a little, give a lot, give them something, give them all you've got, give them heart, give them soul, give them something to remember you when you go. Um, mm. And then from there, she just, it. I guess it just kind of flowed out and it turns into this like, just beautiful, pretty, sweet, love supporting type song. And uh, she did an amazing job and I'm really happy with it. And so after she had written, you know, the chorus and the bridge, she, uh, we came over to my house and we just knocked out these harmonies and there's harmonies throughout the entire song and it's beautiful. Yes, it really is. I've, I've listened to it and I have it slated to play on women of substance for sure. Oh, yay. And- I am ex- yeah, I'm excited about it because two of my favorite artists are going to be on one song, which is hardly ever happens. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. So, are you guys planning on doing any performances together? We did actually. We performed last weekend at a big Memphis festival called Cooper Young Festival, and mm. we performed the song. But right now, we don't have any plans of performing. But we are um, set to shoot a live music video next Friday, and. Oh. So that's exciting. And it's with that is awesome. It's um with my two favorite people in Memphis when it comes to making music videos, because they made my first one and I love them. And it's um Bart Shannon who's gonna direct and then Ryan Earl Parker, who is the director of photography. And they're like little brothers to me, although they're <laughs> older and much taller than me, like everyone else is tall, <laughs> very short. But I'm very excited and um, it'll be fun. Yeah, I look forward to um, featuring that on our video blog because I know our our fans are going to really like it. So I wanted to find out from you. I know you said you're, you know, obviously you've got your radio gig 
But as far as music, like, how do your streams of income play out? Because I think I have a lot of artists that ask me, you know, what are other ways that I can earn income besides just selling CDs and, and doing shows? So, you know, are you doing licensing? Are you songwriting for other people? Or are you mostly just focusing on shows and selling CDs? I um, definitely think that writing for other people and selling songs that way is a great way to make money if you live in a place where you can do that. And Memphis just isn't the place for that. Nashville is and and LA is. And of course, you can do it from Memphis, but it just doesn't work that way. You know, I mean, Nashville is like just full of incredible songwriters. And if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. And that's just the way it mm. is. It's unfortunate, you know, and hopefully Memphis can become that. And, you know, it'd be nice if we could make it that way. Definitely um, licensing is a great way to do it as well. Um, I haven't really dipped into that. It's kind of a hard business to dip into. The best way to do it is to get involved with a publishing company that specifies in licensing for TV and film. And I'm assuming something like in, you know, L.A. would be the best way to go. And that is a good way to make money because, you know, Every time it plays, it makes money. But definitely, I mean, selling your merchandise at shows is a great way to make money. We all know that streaming is a very hard way to make money. (laughs) Um, I mean, I have spent thousands. I wouldn't say that many thousands, but a few thousand, maybe like two, three thousand dollars on my kiddo release and everything. And I think I've made about $300 so far. Mm. And that's not even, that's, that's when I first put out my first two singles. That's not even just the entire EP. That's the first two singles plus the EP. So streaming, it's just, unless you're Taylor Swift, you're not getting any money. And that's just that. Um, Right. So so what about selling CDs at your shows? Yeah, I will tell you a good, I have formed a trick and there might be some merchandise people who disagree with me, but hey, I don't have anybody selling merch at my shows. I'm the one doing it and I much prefer it this way than the other. I put a glass bucket on my stage, um, depending on the show, of course. The shows I've played recently, the stage is not like too like intimidating for the person to come up and like up to the stage. I put a glass bucket on the stage and I put my CDs nicely and neatly next to the uh, bucket. And I tell people, pay what you can, just drop it in the bucket and pick yourself up a CD. And people love that option. They love the, mm. a- the idea of nobody's telling them what to give, but if they want to give more, then I'm like, putting on putting the price as on the CD they'll give more but because nobody's like paying attention to them they just feel very like much obliged to just give and they do and like I will get people like dropping in 20s or $30 or $10 or $1 just to get a CD and that's just and that kind of shows the power of music and art to me you know when you give someone the choice to pay what they want and what they see fit, they usually pay more than you expect. Mm. So it's kind of like a noise trade model in a way where you can give, you can give tips, you can get it for free or you can give tips. Yeah. 
And the people that really love music usually do pay. Oh, yeah, they do. They really do. I say, well, I I do a pay what you can method, meaning if you put a penny in the bucket, you get a CD. But you have to put something. And if you don't have any money, like, I would even love it if somebody was like creative with it. You know what I mean? And of course, if you come up to me after a show and like you don't have any money and you really want the CD, I'll just give it to you. I mean, that's just the kind of person I am. I know my publicist and like managers or whatever, they would be like, oh, don't do that. But that's just how I am. I just am. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm that way. But yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's, I'm, I'm sure your fans really appreciate that and makes you very down to earth. I, I just don't like the idea of somebody like, you know, if they've come to your show and they're like, and they make the effort to come up and say that they like you. To me, it's like a courteous, like, oh, well, here, take the CD because I want you to listen to it if you like it. Because that means that you will continue to like it and come to another show. Right. Right. I, I, def- I mean, I, I, I definitely think some people would disagree with that. But if it works for you, I mean, it's kind of similar to what I recommend to people for house concerts is to do it that way. You know, have a bucket and let people pay what they think you're worth. Because they do often pay more than you expect. Oh, but if you more. give them a price, yeah, they'll pay that price. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And you know what? If you have a designated table for merchandise, oh my gosh, it makes people nervous. Merchandise tables Mm. make people so nervous and they intimidate people. They really do. Unless you're like a concert go and you're like, and you have done this before, you know, like I'm not a merchandise table person. I don't like going to merch tables. I just don't. I'm like, oh, it's just too much to look at. And like, I have to decide. And there's people behind me who know what they want and I'm Mm. taking too long. So I'd rather just put in money and then just grab something. Interesting. Huh. Well, you have to think about the different psychology of the different people coming to your shows. I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Well, we are almost out of time, but I do want to ask you to let people know where they can find you online so they can connect with you. Sure. I am pretty much on all the sites. I kind of got rid of my Snapchat, by the way. Because people were being really dirty on it. (laughs) So I haven't gone back in a while. So we'll see about Snapchat. Uh, But Twitter, you can find me. It's at Real Alexis Grace. And I'm on Instagram. And that's Alexis Grace Music. And Facebook, of course, Alexis Grace Music. It's my page. And I have a website you can follow, alexisgracemusic.com. You can sign up to be part of my newsletter, which I try to be on top of monthly. If I'm not, I'm really sorry. I apologize. You can follow my YouTube channel. I'm on Vine. I'm on Periscope. I'm on mm. everything, baby. She's everywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little too social. That's why I used to get in trouble all the time in school. So, nah. um, so follow me. Awesome. Yes, go follow her and you know, find out when her next, actually it's coming out probably today. If I release this episode on the day that it comes out, it should be coming out on the 9th of October. Yes. Her duet with Myla Smith. You need to go definitely get that. Yes, you should definitely download it from any of your digital library stores. You can stream it. It'll be there. I'm excited. And you could probably watch the, the music video very soon as well. So you should check that out as well or look for it to come soon to YouTube. Yes, and we will have it on Women of Substance on our webpage. Well, so thank you, you Bree. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with me this afternoon and updating me on everything that's going on with you. And it's great to 
actually, you know, speak to you after watching you on TV and everything. It's, it's fun to actually meet the real person because, you know, it's hard to do that through the television. Yeah, you know, there's, there's people like, behind all these personalities, you know. And there's like glass and stuff too. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. I really, it was fun. I, I love to talk. It's obvious, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. But as long as you have something to say, I mean, obviously you're in radio, so right. I hope you like to talk. <laughs> yes, a lot, way too much. All right. Well, you have a good day and um, I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.